Hello and welcome to the sound of the start of your weekend. It's the Not The Top 20 podcast betting show. Feels weird saying that because it feels like it's only about 12 hours ago that George and I released a one-hour YouTube video podcast-style recap of the midweek slate of EFL fixtures. Uh, and a busy midweek it was too, but now we're looking forward. We're looking ahead to the EFL weekend. This podcast talks about betting very strictly for over 18s only. And we ask that everyone listening be gamble aware. Uh, most importantly, never bet more than you can afford to lose. Never chase your losses. Pretty apt in our case, George. Some fairly significant losses last week. A bloodbath, a horror show, a double bagel. 0 for 5, both of us. Apologies to all. It hurts us in the pocket and in the mind and in the heart. It hurts me in places I didn't even know you could feel pain, to be honest. I I know that oh, yeah. Rudyard Kipling says you should treat triumph and disaster just the same, but bloody hell, I treat I treat disaster disastrously and I treat triumph <laughs> triumphantly. Triumphs. So not good enough. Let's see what we can dig out at this weekend, George, in the EFL. What's your best bet? What's your nap? Very League Two focused for me, um, if that's okay this week. Um yeah, my nap is, is Bradford to beat um, Barrow uh, at 21 to 20. So getting a quite generous little shade of, of odds uh, of odds against here. Um, yeah, Bradford's come into this in, in good form. I wonder how many of my naps in my life I've started off by saying the team that I'm backing come into this in good form. It feels like I'd say every week, but it is definitely true this time. Uh, Bradford's after quite a patchy time of it, uh, are unbeaten in their last five games and they've beaten two pretty good teams in their last two games, uh, scoring five goals in the process with that um, win against Stevenage that was, um, you know, going against your nap on the day. Uh, they went to Stevenage and won that game 3-2 uh, and they took the momentum from that uh, win by by seeing off uh, a decent Tranmere side 2-0. Um, although Tranmere fans, I think, would question whether or not Tranmere are indeed decent, with a lot of them seemingly wanting Mickey Mellon to be shown the door fairly soon. Um, but also the, the, the run of kind of decent form goes back a bit longer in my book. Uh, Bradford are, as I say, unbeaten in five. And when you consider those five teams that they've played against, uh, AFC Wimbledon, Stockport County, Mansfield, Stevenage and Tranmere, um, you've got five teams there who are, you know, even though, as I say, Tramie not in great form, um, uh, at the very worst mid-table sides and, and five five teams who I think fans' expectation would be for them to be playoff challengers and they haven't lost a single one of them. Um, in the case of Barrow, and I am a huge fan of what Pete Wilde has done, I was happy that my preseason optimism was um, coming to the fore. But, uh, yeah, I mean... Barrow seemed to me to be slightly gone at the moment. Um, check them for a pulse kind of thing at, at this stage. Um, they haven't won a game um, where they've won one game in their last 13. That was the 3-2 win at Mansfield, which was obviously a good result. Uh, but things have got progressively worse. We had the humbling 5-1 defeat against Carlisle. Since then, they picked up one point in their last three, which was away at Colchester. Um, in that time, they you know they were beaten by Donny one nil last time out. They're beaten at home by Newport one nil before that. They've been a team who've struggled for goals most of the season, but at, at this stage, they feel like a team who are um, struggling for goals and, and don't necessarily have that strong um, defensive record that they could rely on earlier in the campaign. And their away form for pretty much the whole season has been patchy. You know the good the good form to start the season 
uh, came from them being very, very good at home, whereas away from home, they've lost loads of games already in the campaign. So, I mean, we know that Bradford have had massive issues at Valley Parade over the course of the season, and it predates this season as well. But there are signs, in my view, that, that, that they're kind of coming through that. They've won three of their last five at home, beating Harrogate, Salford, and, and that game against Tranmere, got a point against Mansfield as well. Yeah, it, it seems to me like Bradford are, are very much um, at the right time of the season, showing themselves not only to be a top seven side, but given what's happening above them with Northampton and and Carlisle dropping points regularly, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Bradford had a big shot of of, of being a part of the picture for that third third place uh, come the end of the season up against the Barrow side who I think unless we see a massive turnaround are going to end up just drifting down into mid-table obscurity um, so yeah odds odds against here for Bradford seems uh, in my mind anyway the, the best bet of the weekend my nap's also in league two and it's Mansfield two to one they're away at Tranmere and I think two to one is well, clearly too big for me to ignore now George Mansfield come into this in good form Oh, <laughs> like all of our yeah. naps ever. Yes. Um, they won 4-0 at Carlisle in the week. Yeah, that was four goals in the first 38 minutes of the game, as you'd expect. Uh, some pretty hot finishing there, a penalty as well, but pure front-footed dominance. I think they had, you know, 10 of the first 11 shots in the game. It was by no means complete fluke, put it that way. Uh, they beat Jills 2-0 with complete ease on Saturday in their last four they've won three drawn one lost none and getting better each time it looks to me Tranmere won one lost three in their last four and certainly not going in my eyes in the right direction now the reason for this price has to be that Tranmere's XG data has been good has been surprisingly good for quite a few months now I'm pretty sure I said to you in person the other day that I felt like Tranmere you know, we we tend to know what teams' underni- underlying numbers are at any given time, and we obviously know what teams' results are at any given time. Mm. And I think I said to you, Tranmere seemed like the biggest discrepancy in the whole EFL, just in terms of like sometimes, sometimes you can understand where the good numbers are coming from, even if the results aren't great. With Tranmere, I just obviously we're not watching every minute of every game and valuing every single shot that that's being taken and being faced, but I just couldn't believe that they continue to project so well. Their XG ratio has been like fifth or sixth best over the last 12 or 16 games per Fox punter. But the results have consistently been pure bottom half fodder. Um, They're heavily reliant on their fullbacks for creativity. Recently, they've been making a ton of errors at the back in terms of the center backs and or the goalkeeper. And I think crucial context here, which for me overrides the worry of a strong XG ratio, is something that you mentioned four minutes ago. Quite a big melon out vibe at Tranmere. Quite mm-hmm. a big Palioses out vibe. Just a club that is feeling a lot of apathy around this time, seemingly every season. Doesn't seem to be making the sort of strides to get out of the division that the fan base want. And doesn't seem, in the fans' eyes, to be that fussed about it. They see it as a lack of ambition. They see it as uh, taking the easy route, getting Mickey Mellon back, who's who's obviously been there and done it with this club before and has a great reputation and some great memories from a first spell, but hasn't really done anything of note, interest or excitement since he's been back at Tranmere. And I think, as most fan bases do, these days, the Tramian fan, fan base just want a, 
a shot of adrenaline and it doesn't look like they're getting that. So not very positive vibes, basically. And for this, that's important because perhaps not the most supportive vibes. And a Mansfield team in this sort of nick and a very good League Two team could and should be able to take advantage of that, feed off it, basically harness uh, a tetchy atmosphere, an atmosphere that, that could be on the turn and make the most of that. We spoke on the Monday pod and in the midweek pod, VOD, that uh, Mansfield go on runs under Nigel Clough. And sometimes they're quite bad runs, but it happens both ways. They won seven out of 10 earlier this season. Last season, they won 11 in 12 at one point, uh, even in 2021, which was a terrible season for them. After Clough was appointed, they did improve and, and they still find, found time to win five in a row at one point. So this is, is what they do. We know about Mansfield under Nigel Clough. And I just really, especially after a, a terrible week like last week, I feel really happy to be on Mansfield at 2-1. to one. I feel very confident and bullish in, in this selection and particularly at this price. So that's a, a nice feeling. They're looking confident and comfortable in the last few games and long may that continue. Mansfield 2-1, to one, my nap. They're away at Tranmere. So Bradford and Mansfield are two naps. What's next? Going back to my selection last week where I put up uh, Walsall to beat um, Leighton Orient at home and um, they deservedly took the lead looked to be kind of the better side and then conceded um, to a bit of an head turner. And then um, Leighton Orient looked like the side more likely to win it. Um, so, you know, I haven't seen much in terms of, of Walsall's display since then. For me to to kind of be put off them, I still think they are a, um, yeah, no, a, a decent side going through a, a tricky run at the moment. Um, they drew nil-nil against Colchester in midweek in a game where they, you know, that was basically a game of very few chances. Um, and you're getting 13 to 10 about them here, which isn't that far off the price I put them up at to beat Lane Orient. And this time they're playing a far, far worse side in Newport County. Now, Newport, um, certainly results-wise, come into this in, in much better form than we had seen. Um, the run under Graham Coughlin had uh, plenty of people, myself included, wondering if they could get sucked into the relegation battle. Um, no, is the answer to that one. They've taken seven points from their last three games. And I and I, I assume that is the reason why we're getting the price we are about Walsall. But if you dig a little bit deeper, it's clear to see there's, there are some circumstantial reasons why that was the case. They were... Oh, like what? Red cards, Ali, for the most part. It was nil-nil against Wyndon Town uh, when Russia met Heppen Murphy... Um, got a red card after 15 minutes. It took them until the 54th minute to break Swindon down. They ended up winning the game 2-1. The Swindon getting a very late um, consolation goal. But yeah, I mean, 10 against 11 for the majority of the game. Then they went to Barrow. Not much in the game. Barrow, who I mentioned a second ago, woefully out of form. Uh, Barrow have a man sent off, Rory Feely, uh, with 10 minutes to go. And Mickey Demetrio scores from a set piece in the 95th minute. So six points there. All three goals scored when 11 versus 10. Now, by far the best bit of form, um, you have to say, in this little run has been the two-all draw at home to Stevenage, a game where they went behind twice and scored uh, an equaliser late in the game thanks to a penalty which looked incredibly soft. So you've got two red cards, debatable red cards, I would say. Not that that really matters in terms of performance levels. And then a debatable penalty to get them uh, a very credible point at home to the team currently in second. I think you've got in Walsall a team who are playing okay and are pretty good and are picking up points. And in Newport, you've got a team who aren't that great who are picking up points in games where there are reasons why they're doing so. 11 v 11, I think Walsall are by far the better side. And the um, what you know the, the recent form lines of both means that we're getting them at a backable price. So 
my next best is is Walsall uh, to beat Newport County at thirteen to ten. Well done, like it. Predicted Thanks. that one, if I'm honest. Oh. Uh, bet you didn't predict my next best. Shrewsbury Town to beat Accrington Stanley. Yeah, 7-5, 2.5 with the sports book. Uh, Shrews, who had won six in a row in League One uh, and then drew extra uh, on Tuesday night to stop the run. Uh, but a little draw in which they went away to a team in 10th and they were the better side and had the better chances and probably deserved to win. Now, during the winning run, you could probably point to one or two of the six games and said that, you know, they they edged a tight one, shall we say. You play those six games in the same way a thousand times, they probably don't win all six very many or very many times in a thousand, maybe not even all five of them. But their performance level is really consistent. And that there is a lot to be said for that, uh, particularly at this stage of the season, I think. It's very dependable. They've got a very strong core of 15 16 players performing well as a and and very strong as a unit they are obviously strong defensively they are a big threat from set pieces particularly dunkley and pennington and with bayless and phillips increasingly uh, they're looking a little more threatening from open play ryan bowman's return from injury has helped in that front scored a couple of uh, open play goals as well they are going to accrington and it's a bit well, probably a lot about Accrington this. They've not scored uh, in five of their last eight. They've drawn a blank Accrington. Their points return in the last few months is absolutely um, disgusting. Basically, they've been really, really Ooh. poor. I think the only time they've won recently, uh, in fact, it is just two wins in their last 12. It's one win in their last 10. The only time they won in their last 10 was when I'd backed Bristol Rovers on this show, which is just about right. Um, but... <laughs> I'm not sure. No, what's the best way of putting this? I don't think they have the necessary quality. And I think that's almost tangible, like total player quality is what I'm talking mid-tange. about. Mid-tange. But I, yeah, mid-tange. And now not very tange, but also something <laughs> I think. I'm not sure they've, they're showing the necessary fight, grit character, that sort of stuff, which is a bit surprising mm. because it's one of the things that you, you, you sort of come to expect from Accrington. But I think mixed with the lack of quality, it, it's probably made to look worse. I think to my eyes, the situation is pretty clear and I might be completely wrong here. And I do not wish to undermine people at the club who I'm sure are working unbelievably hard to try not to get relegated. But in my eyes, the situation is that the club and the owner and probably almost everyone within Accrington Stanley, including a large chunk of the fan base, understand that the success that they've had in League One over the last few seasons is a consistent 9 or 10 out of 10 level punching above their weight, a consistent overperformance. And that does not last forever in football, in the EFL. And I think that basically they're just like, well, we're not going to wet the bed over a relegation if that's what's happening. That's not what we do here. We don't. We don't wet the bed and we're certainly not going to sack John Coleman. But it, it's also fair to say he's just not getting a very good tune out of his team at the moment. I think one thing that really sums it up for me, and this comes back to the player quality point, they're starting 11 on Tuesday. They lost 2-0 at home to Wickham. Seven of their starting 11 have started less than 10 league games this season for Accrington. So the, the majority of their outfield players have played less than 10 games for the club after 30 games of a league season. I think that just kind of sums it up for me. They just haven't found 
anything that works and they're still looking for it. So Shrewsbury, who I think are almost at the complete opposite end of the spectrum, absolutely know themselves, very repeatable and consistent performance level, know exactly what to do to win games, particularly against teams down at the bottom. So what they've been doing for the better part of two months now. So Shrews to win 7-5, 2.4 with the Betfair Sportsbook, my next best. Don't forget it's Bet10, Get2. That's if you bet £10 on the FL Ackers this season, you'll get a £2 free bet. Uh, T's and C's in the description of the podcast. Uh, and now we head over to the Betfair Exchange and we we are poacher turned bookmaker. George, what are you putting up on the exchange as a lay? I'm laying letting Orient at 1.59. Um, yeah, I mean... Orient were very good uh, against Rochdale um, in the first hour or so in the the midweek win against them. Um, they only won the game two one, uh, and the game before that, as I mentioned, I I put up Walsall against them, and for the most part of the game, they were second best. Now, you know, Leighton Orient, I think, are now massively likely to win League Two, like overwhelming favourites to do so, uh, and this home game against a team threatened by relegation should be an easy three points but there's still just a nagging doubt in my mind that even though they look like they're trending back in the right direction again and they may have ridden out a bit of you know a bit of a storm without really dropping too many points well I'm not sure I know they had that 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 kind of lean spell but I I think they won a few games without being at their at their previous selves it wouldn't be a massive surprise if they leave that behind them now and go forward and continue to be good. But there's a nagging doubt in my mind. And I think this is a, a good game to lay them in because I strongly think that Scott Lindsay, despite me not being particularly impressed with him at Swindon, although you have to say, given the start that Joey, Jody Morris has had, maybe the job that he did at Swindon is, is improving pretty much by the hour. Um, I think there are signs that Crawley are, are getting a bit better. Uh, the you know the, the points tally doesn't necessarily reflect that, and I understand that. Um, I think they went, they they, they did the old scored too early uh, at Stockport, scoring a great free kick early on uh, against one of the better sides in the division, and couldn't really see them out. But again, you know they played a team who, in my mind, Stockport. There's not much between Stockport and Orient, and they hit the post late on um, to to nearly get a point. And it wasn't like Stockport battered them. This wasn't the case. And even though game state dictated that. Crawley didn't have a great deal of attacking thrust after they went ahead. Um, this wasn't um, a, a really dominant display. They'll be frustrated they couldn't get the three points at home to to crew in a game where, again, I thought they showed way more attacking intent than we've seen in previous games. You saw them against Gillingham and came away from it thinking, again, that they looked better from just an open play attacking point of view, even if their, their defence from set pieces wasn't the best and that their heads dropped a little bit once they went behind. We've seen them pick up points you know, in a similar way, I guess, to Lincoln in League One. We've seen them beat Stockport. We've seen them beat Salford. They seem to be a side who don't necessarily crumble in the face of, of the better teams in League Two. And Leighton Orient are certainly that. So just at 1.6, also given that, you know, Leighton Orient's lead is suddenly, you know, it, it's unravelled. Well, I mean, it's unravelled in a good way for Orient very quickly since that humbling defeat at Stevenage. Um, and if they are to idle a little bit in front, maybe this is the kind of game they'll do it. Again, they expect to win with a big points cushion behind them um, and where maybe the opposition are a bit better than they than they might anticipate. So um, yeah, 1.6, 1.59 the lay of Orient at home to Crawley. Yeah, I've laid Derby at 1.65. They're at home to Charlton Athletic in League One. Uh, Derby have failed to win their last two. Uh, defeat at Wickham 
on the weekend away at Adams Park in a, in a bonkers game, a 3-2 defeat. I, I, I don't mark them down loads for that, but it's just halted their momentum somewhat. And, well, then it kind of came out in the wash a little bit on Tuesday night where they were disappointing at home to Lincoln City, uh, a Lincoln side who've made a real habit of frustrating the top teams in the division and defending their their well their box very, very well. Um, but up until a Ben House red card, Derby had, had barely had a shot on goal uh, in about an hour's worth of football or just less. Uh, and after the red card, yeah, they were able to cut loose a little bit and get the equalising goal. But uh, a somewhat troubling first 55 minutes of that game. Um, Max Bird is missing and this might just be desperately trying to find a reason why they might have just had uh, a slightly underwhelming couple of performances. But when you think of, of how settled the team had become in that good run, uh, in particular, the midfield of Bird and Harahan, maybe him missing just upsets the balance a little bit because Knight is now playing in centre midfield next to Harahan. Clearly a very different player to Bird. Absolutely operates in different areas to Bird and offers different things to Bird. Still offers loads, more energy, in theory a bigger attacking threat, but maybe that's not what they needed necessarily. Um, so not exactly a bad option to have, but you know, midfield and, and team performance at this stage of the season is quite often about alchemy. And I'm not sure they're on the same level of, of chemistry, I guess, as Bird and Harahan were. Uh, and then Charlton, who, yeah, strange old team, Charlton. Um, their season record is is like a really, really good performance on Strictly Come Dancing. 10, 10, 10. 10 wins, 10 draws, 10 defeats. And like George Bruno Tonioli's, is that his name? Tonioli? His analysis yeah. would, would be something on the lines of you seem to be better at the at the more challenging dances. I don't understand. You get you get sloppy when it's an easy one. I'd very okay. nearly put on Yeah, I, I thought you might. What I thought think might be Bruno Tonioli's accent. But... That sounded more like Craig Rebel Horwood to me, just a bit like <laughs> Moni Grumpy. Yeah, yeah. Craig Rebel Horwood. I'm so glad I didn't attempt that. I think it would have been genuinely quite offensive. Anyway. It's strictly business. Uh, there's a reason why I say that. I think it's a good analogy for Charlton because, George, they are sloppy in the easier games. Against bottom half teams, they've played 15 games. They've lost six of them. Against top half teams, they've played 15 games. They've only lost four of them. They've lost more games against the bad teams than the good teams. So I'm basically deciding that they like a hard game and therefore travelling to Pride Park will be fine. Uh, obviously, Jez Raksak, as discussed many times in this parish over the last few weeks, is in rude health, fine form and fettle. Uh, the 11 to 1 first and 9 to 2 anytime still calls me. Uh, still feels a remarkably fun price for the Betfair Sportsbook to, to put up for us. So you can stay tuned to see if that's my goals pick. It's not. Um, Charlton? On that, I, I also think Blackett Taylor, who's the same price, 9 to 2 anytime. I think if you bat them both anytime, you know, you're not, you're definitely not. Um, even if you don't cop, they're both value bets for sure. Yes, exactly. Well, I've laid Derby. A one point six five is the is the long and short of it. George, uh, goals, please. Golsh. I'm backing Middlesbrough to score over three and a half goals at seven to one. Just a bit of a just a bit of a flinger. Yeah, it's just QPR, really. I mean, I I kind of I I felt like yesterday. Don't need to say it anything like, else. We can felt... hear it. We can hear it in your voice. It felt like. Neil Critchley was going to get sacked yesterday and at time of recording he's not been sacked as I've said many times I don't think he should necessarily get sacked but this has this is I mean it feels to me like maybe they're not sacking him because they're like oh, we've got to go away to Borough next should we just let him let him take charge of that absolute 
nightmare and then try and get someone else in after that because um you know they have been conceding goals at a pretty alarming rate uh, against maybe team or well, certainly teams who don't have the attacking prowess that uh, borough have you know they conceded three against Sunderland last time out they conceded three at Hull recently as well if you're looking at just their away form they also conceded two against Reading two against Fleetwood I mean Hull Reading and Fleetwood with all due respect and you know how I feel about Hull at the moment three sides who do not have much in the way of attacking output and they've conceded uh, oh yeah I mean I know one of them was in the cup but they've conceded seven goals on the road against those three sides um, which yeah it isn't a particularly good run of form uh, and a one-all draw against Huddersfield again is, is pretty pretty shabby we saw and we know that Michael Carrick's um, Borough side are, are just relentless in the way that they attack and I, I think they're living on the edge the way that they do it um, but the philosophy that Carrick is 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 instilling at Borough is just to keep pouring forward whenever possible, committing so many men forward, really encouraging players like Akpom, like Force, like Archer, like McGree, like Hackney to have full creative license to just to do whatever they want in the final third. And if they get ahead early in this one and heads go down and the QPR away support, having travelled all that way up to the Riverside, turn on Critchley I think things could get very nasty I'll be backing Borough on a few handicaps and a few of these lines but for the purpose of the show let's try and land a big one and uh, yeah Borough to score four or more at seven to one Beauty yeah I noted that Cameron Archer price it was very tempting but I just in the back of my mind remembered a line about him having having quite a sore ankle heading into last night's game um, and that slightly put me off picking him. We'll get to goal scorers in a sec. My goal pick is a BTTS no double, one in the championship, Huddersfield against Birmingham. Uh, Neil Warnock's first game in charge of Huddersfield. Nice of him to come back from his holiday in the States uh, to take charge of the Terriers. Uh, and I'm unsurprisingly uh, assuming that he's going to build from the back first and try and make them a bit more solid. It's what the last manager, Mark Fotheringham, did. He did make them a little bit more solid, but he forgot to coach them any attacking patterns of play. Um, I'm not sure Warnock will worry too much about attacking patterns of play um, to start with, so I'm not expecting them to score too many goals unless they're just like so excited to have Warnock in charge that it, it turns them into an incredible attacking team. And, and as for Birmingham, well, they haven't scored very many goals from open play recently. Even that impressive win last Friday night against West Brom, which now looks somewhat in the in the rearview mirror, having lost at home to Cardiff to follow up. Um, that was two goals from set pieces, wasn't it? I just think low margin, BTTS, no. Huddersfield, Birmingham, 20 to 23. Uh, same price for Bradford Barrow, uh, which is your nap, Bradford. Uh, of course, when I pick this BTTS, no, I basically have Barrow not scoring in mind. Uh, they've only scored seven in their last 12 league games. Still, I'm just not, like that convinced with Bradford as an attacking force, but they've got so many good players that they almost certainly will score. I must admit, I like the Bradford nap pick better than I like this BTTS no pick cards on the table. <laughs> so uh, it's still part of my double. It's Huddersfield, Birmingham. It's Bradford Barrow. They're both 20 to 23. That spits out a nice round 3.5, five to two double with the Betfair Sportsbook. Betfair's bet builder allows you to combine selections easily into one bet. And with Betfair's popular bet builder, you can easily add trending Football League bet builder selections to your bet slip in just one tap. Go to the football section of the Betfair Sportsbook app and you'll see the trending bet builders at the top of the page. Pick a goal scorer, George, for God's sake. 
yeah, it's been rubbish, hasn't it? I basically can't. And I, I've also backed loads more goal scorers than I put up on this show, and none of them seem to score either. Sam Smith, three to one for Cambridge to score any time against Oxford. What's interesting about this is, George, that your goal scorer picks haven't been great for 10 weeks or so, apart from the one winner you had was when you picked someone to score against Oxford United, and it was Sam Nombe. So here you go. Yes. Sam Smith, basically, Cambridge so, against Oxford. So. Anytime a striker called Sam plays against Oxford, you have to bat them. It's been going back for, for years now. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, I don't understand what's going on within the betting markets around Oxford at the moment, um, given that I watch all of our games. I feel pretty well-placed to talk about Oxford as a team. And we are putting in really poor levels of performance. Now, I know that the XG ratio stuff from early in the season was okay. The ability to concede long shots is obviously quite frustrating but in every game I watch when the scores are level the opposition team create more and better consistent chances in open play than Oxford I think Oxford has scored three goals in open play in the last 10 or 9 games I think it is and just not creating anything in open play at all it's set piece FC it's worldy FC you either need Lewis Bate to kick it in from 30 yards with the help of the, the keeper powering it into the back of the net or you need Elliot Moore to 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 get on the end of a, of a of a corner because in open play it is really bad to watch. So Cambridge, who obviously come into this in worse form than Oxford, I still think are a bit of value, um, especially because they put in an okay performance against Cheltenham, even though they lost. You know they created enough chances in that game. Um, I, since the beginning of December, I think it is Sam Smith's had thirty two shots because of an XG of about three point five. He's only scored two. He's the biggest goal threat for, for Cambridge. He'll start up front. Um, and given I think Cambridge are a big price, given that Oxford I think have kept four clean sheets in thirty five, um, I think Cambridge should have a, a fair chance of scoring. So and Smith is the most likely to do so. So Smith at three to one, three to one. I was interested to hear you call Oxford set piece FC because so I was hovering over. An Elliot Moore first last anytime selection for my goal scorer pick. But then I found a better one. And it's Daniel <laughs> Ballard of Sunderland. Who Ballardy, is it? If you've seen the highlights from Tuesday night, you'll have seen a corner swung in and a big, meaty Ballard header, uh, which to be fair went straight at Sony Dieng. And he fumbled it and Luca Nine scored. And some people on the NTT20 leveler betting squad had backed Luke 09 to score and I was delighted for them but they were very lucky because you sound it <laughs> they were very and very lucky because do you know who I who I, who I backed score in that game Ahmad Diallo probably no AGLS who was literally standing there and then Dieng managed to drop it like away from his foot into into <laughs> nines. Well, what do we take from that incident? We don't take the fact that there were some players standing near the goalkeeper when he fumbled it. We take the fact that big meaty Dan Ballard was the one rising highest and thumping the header goalwards. That's what we want here. Mm. Uh, yes. Sunderland at home to Bristol City. Only two teams have conceded more from set pieces than Brest- Bristol City this season. Now, somewhat disingenuous because they have got better at that over the last few months. But I'm expecting this to be a game where both teams have um, good spells and, and some opportunities. And I'm sure some of them will have opportunities to deliver balls into the box. And I think Ballard is their most likely goal scorer from those situations. And because he hasn't scored yet this season, he's a very juicy price. 50 to one first, 50 Ooh. to one last, 22 to one anytime. We're going quarter point first and last half a point 
anytime with the Betfair Sportsbook. He has had, in his last five games, three shots against Fulham in the FA Cup, the initial game. Two shots against Fulham in the replay. Didn't have a shot against Millwall. We'll forgive him that. Two shots against Reading. Two shots in that game against QPR. He's throwing himself at everything. The, the whole fun of my CB goal scorer betting thing is trying to back them at 22 to 1 before they score rather than seeing who scores and then punting them at 12 to 1. So that's the idea here. Uh, Dan Ballard, 22 to 1 anytime, 50 to 1 first and last. We're going quarter point first and last and half a point anytime. Go on, Sam. George, why don't you wrap up your selections for us? Yeah, my nap are Bradford at home to Barrow. Next best, Warsaw for the second week in a row, this time against Newport County. Laying Leighton Orient uh, at home to Crawley. Over three and a half Middlesbrough goals at home to QPR, seven to one. And Sam Smith score any time at three to one for Cambridge United against Oxford United. I'm going on a stag party. Mansfield, two to one, my nap. Shrewsbury, 2.4. That's seven to five, uh, my next best. They are respectively away at Tranmere and Accrington Stanley. Uh, I've laid Derby at 1.65 at home to Charlton. BTTS, no double at five to two. Huddersfield, Birmingham City in the Championship. Bradford, Barrow in League Two. And my goal scorer is Dan Ballard. 50 to one first, 50 to one last, 22 to one anytime goal scorer for Sunderland against Bristol City. I've gone quarter point first. Last, anytime. All bets with Betfair. Thank you so much to Betfair for their continued support of this pod. Uh, it's much appreciated and it gives us the scope to do things like we did in midweek. That was our first ever video style podcast. Podcast style video, probably more apt. Uh, a full uh, recap of the midweek fixtures. So if you don't feel like you're caught up yet on what happened in midweek, good time to do so once you've listened to this. It's an hour long. Uh, we whiz through them all. Uh, some really interesting stories. So get involved on our YouTube channel. Search for Not The Top 20 on YouTube. And have a great weekend. Look after yourselves. Be good to humans. Be good to animals. Be good to, be good to things. Have a good weekend. Go out.